Hi, this is Natalia Toker from Upskill Me. And today is the day for another podcast on communication strategies in the business world. I have been coaching sales teams and I have been a communication coach for a number of business leaders in the corporate world for over 10 years now. But in the last year, I have been actively working with startups and especially startups at the fundraising stage, including blockchain startups. And I keep seeing the same problem. The problem is that startups underrate communication. Everybody thinks communication is easy, it's simple, and it's not worth thinking about it, it's not worth working on it, and it's not worth, you know, training it, especially training it. At the same time, each of these startups are facing the same problem. They all need to sell their ideas to investors. They all need to sell their ideas to the first clients, to the first partners, and we're talking about big money here, millions of dollars. And what most of them do not realize is that poor communication can kill an opportunity. There are two important components to consider when you're preparing a pitch for the investor or for a big client. In other words, when you're preparing for a meeting with an investor, I think that's more correct to say, and you will learn in in, in a few minutes why. It's... Making the message clear, so what do you want from this meeting and what do you want from this person? I also help startups with that. I help them to crystallize their message for investors, to package it in an attractive way and to make it simple, short and beautiful. The other big component is delivering because even though startups can have a brilliant idea, they can have no clue how to communicate the value of this idea to the investor. And this is what I see a lot, because if you go and see any ICO pitch at any big conference, you know, I'm not afraid to say that every ICO pitch I see today is horrible. It breaks my heart. And I really want to help these startups to communicate their ideas better, to make it more relevant to those who are listening. Because those who are listening, it's their 25th pitch today. And it's kind of hard to listen to so many pitches in a row and you need to find a way to stand out. So polishing up your communication skills is definitely a way. So I don't want to keep this podcast long and I don't want to ramble about things that may not be important to you. So I just want to focus on the, how many do I have? Nine things that I don't want to say you don't want to do, but I would say nine things that do not work (laughs) in my experience. You make the decision if you want to use them or not. In my experience, I can tell that people do this all the time, all the nine things. I see it in every pitch, in every meeting, um, and I really, really, 90% of the startups do this. Still, it doesn't work. In 90% of the cases, this doesn't work. And this is why I want to pay your attention to that, because it often happens that We do things not because we think these things are important or necessary, but we do this because everybody does this. And it's it's, it's gradually becoming the norm of how you communicate, how you handle meetings, how you pitch to investors. And even though this doesn't really work, we keep trying and we keep sticking to this norm just because we do not see another perspective. So my job today is to show you a different perspective that works in my experience so i'm just so i think we should get this rolling
Before I go to the nine things that I do not recommend any startup to do, I would like you to think about that. I don't know who trains people to sell, but it looks like everyone is trained the same way. And if you think about B2B sales, investors meetings, uh, meetings with clients or potential partners, it all comes down to the same pattern, I should say. People prepare a detailed explanation of their product and what this product can do and how people can use it. And they honestly believe that if they come equipped with information, they're going to nail it. So when they come to a meeting, they give a client or a partner or an investor all this information in one go. (laughs) And it's not often appreciated. Why not? Think about that. You have an idea and you need to sell this idea. So when most people prepare for meetings, they prepare to sell their ideas and they prepare for the situation when they will have the time to talk about their idea, about their service, about their product, and the other party will, in fact, be just sitting there and listening to whatever they have to say. Seriously, just think about it. You go to a meeting because you need this meeting, because you need to sell this product, because you need the funds as a startup, because you need to sign this partnership. And this is why, of course, you prepare for the meeting, you prepare the presentation, the slides, the pitch, whatever, and because you need it. But do they need it? Did you do enough homework to make sure that they need it? Did you make them want the same things? Did you do anything to make them want the same thing? That is the question. Because every pitch today is a prepared monologue. And this is what breaks my heart. People do not communicate with other people. They just learn a monologue by heart and they hope that whoever the meeting is scheduled with is going to just sit there and listen to the monologue. It's not a theater. It's not a show. And it's not. It's definitely not a situation where you're showing that you value the time of your investor or your client or your future partner. Because it's a one-way communication. A pitch has become synonymous to a monologue. And for whatever reason, startups assume that the investor is ready to listen to their monologue. So this is not true. Okay. So let's go to this nine things I was talking about. What, okay, number one. Number one is how you start the conversation. It's easy and it's difficult at the same time. because. So this is how most startups would start a conversation. Hi, I'm John. Thank you so much for finding the time to meet with me. Or thank you so much for your time. Or I appreciate that you could find the time. My name is John. Did you see my presentation? And this is why it's wrong. <laughs> The number one thing is when you say, thank you so much for your time, thank you for making the time to meet me, you're basically communicating that the time of the investor is more valuable than yours and that the investor didn't really need this meeting, he didn't really want this meeting, but he did you a favor by finding the time in their schedule to finally meet with you. You're sending the wrong message from the very start. You're telling them that you're kind of lower in rank and you're lower in your position, in your initial position, and they're higher. 
And I believe with all my heart that it's very important to set the right tone in the beginning. You both wanted this meeting to happen. You're communicating as equals. You came to this meeting because both of you wanted this meeting to happen. So if you say something like, I'm so happy we finally found the time to make this meeting happen, or I'm so glad we found the time to connect in person, or I'm glad we both finally found the time to meet in person, you're setting another tone. You see the difference? And this is how you have a chance from the very start to make this meeting a dialogue. Because you don't want to communicate from that lower position. Because even though you're positioning yourself by this initial phrase kind of lower, you're also putting a lot of pressure on the investor from that low position. Because if you arrive at the meeting equipped with a monologue, and you're pushing that monologue on the person who is listening from that position, it doesn't feel right. And this mismatch between what you're saying to the person and what you're actually saying by the intonation, by the internal intention, by the the word choice, by your body language, by, you know, every other subtle element of a conversation is so obvious, this mismatch is so obvious that people feel it. And we as humans have a universal skill to feel. We feel when something goes wrong. We can't do anything about it, but every single person can feel that. They cannot always logically explain what's going on and why they don't like a person, they don't like this presentation, they don't want this meeting to continue. They cannot always explain it, but they always feel it. So you want to set the right tone in the beginning, And you'd never stopped with, did you see my presentation? (laughs) I don't even know the purpose of this question. Because if if your intention is to connect with the person sitting in front of you on a personal level, to talk about the project that is interesting to both of you, and if you assume that both of you made this meeting happen because both of you wanted this meeting to happen, and both of you wanted to discuss this opportunity then this question doesn't make any sense. And if you do want to show some slides, just come with your laptop and when their time arrives, you can show the slides again because the question, did you see my presentation, already puts a lot of pressure on a person. I'm going to tell you the truth. Investors read hundreds of presentations a week and if you hope that they remembered your particular presentation... You're very wrong. This very question already assumes that you do not trust a person. You do not trust that they saw your presentation or that they remembered the facts uh, from your presentation. You know, it shows that you do not trust them and this is not good. So if you do want to show something interesting like numbers or facts or just remind a person about your product... Make sure you have the presentation with you and when necessary, you can always open your laptop and walk people through the slides. So the number two. Number two is knowing when to shut up. What happens very often is that the founder of the project or whoever is pitching is so focused on delivering the monologue they have prepared at home that they just forget that this is a dialogue with another person. There is another human being listening, and this human being may have questions, may have um, 
concerns. Maybe they didn't understand some details. Maybe they want to interfere and, and, and say something. Maybe they want to comment on something. Very often we do not give people this opportunity just by not knowing when to shut out. So I would recommend startups that pitch. Learn to pause. Just pause from time to time and check on a person. Are there question marks in their eyes? Do their eyebrows go up because they're confused or they don't understand something? Do they maybe want to ask a question? Do they look doubtful? All these little things help you read what they really think about your project and how they really feel about talking to you. This is a crucial problem that causes a lot of misunderstanding and you will never know why an investor said no or why the person said, thank you very much, we'll give you a call or thank you very much, please send additional information and then they never call you back. Just because you made them feel very uncomfortable during that conversation. Just because you didn't show enough respect by giving them the opportunity to participate in that conversation and ask questions, just because you didn't set the right tone in the beginning and you didn't make it obvious that this meeting is happening because both of us want this meeting to happen. Most of the startups are so afraid to stop because they think if they stop, this will demonstrate some kind of ignorance on their side. This will demonstrate that they do not know their product well the thing is that people do not invest in products. People invest in people. There can be a hundred of other teams that are working on the same product as yours, but not every team can make this product happen. And the investor is checking in the first place, how comfortable is it to have a conversation with you? Always think about that when you go to your next meeting. So let's move on to number three. This one is actually very interesting and I call it, how do you know they're listening? You know, I was given a workshop, a communication mastery workshop a couple weeks ago in Moscow and we did a practical exercise where one person, the owner of several travel agencies, was trying to explain the idea. She is expanding her business to the German-speaking part of Europe and she was trying to pitch the idea to a potential partner. The thing is that she was so struggling with whatever she had to say. She was struggling to communicate the message clearly and she was always looking at the ceiling or look, trying to find the right words, trying to explain in every little detail everything she needs. And I think she was speaking for about three minutes non-stop and then when we finished the exercise um, one of the people in the audience asked her so you had a three-minute monologue about what you need and all this during this three minutes you were not even looking at the person in front of you you're lucky this is a face-to-face -face conversation but imagine it's a phone call because this person who was listening didn't say a word so how do you know he was really listening to you? This was a revelation moment for all people in the room. Because it's true, how do you know a person is listening if you never pay attention to a person? If you only pay attention to saying things correctly yourself, if you only pay attention to making sure that the monologue you have prepared at home is well said, that all this homework was not in vain. 
you can never know if the person is interested or if the person is listening if you never focus on the person if you never show interest in the person as you speak normally if people are actively listening they will say something "Mm -hmm, yes sure they will nod they will ask questions but especially if it's a phone conversation and you're speaking non-stop for a long time and hear no reaction most probably the person is not following you so it's your job again to make sure that you are having a dialogue that it's two-way communication remember to pause from time to time and ask for feedback and here we go to number four it's important for everyone but extremely important for non-native speakers of english I call it pauses, diction, and chunks. I spoke about pauses just a minute ago. So remember to pause. Remember to let another person ask a question or give you uh, a concerned look or just allow time for feedback and for questions. Because very often you miss the point where you need to stop. The next one is diction. Make sure that your diction is very clear. Don't hurry to deliver your message. It's a good idea to practice recording your message. Record it, have someone listen to it, and let you know what they think about it. I talk a lot about chunking in my communication workshops. I'm not going to devote a lot of time to this now. I'll just give you an idea. And I had this idea from one of my favorite books on public speaking, which is called Real Leaders Don't Do PowerPoint, an amazing book. And what the author is saying in that book is, if you want to build a house, you need a lot of bricks. You put the bricks together and then you have a house. If you want to write a book, you put together passages. You write passages, you put them together, and your text pretty much consists of different passages put in the right order together. And if you want to make a good speech... You put the chunks together. That is, the rhythm of every language is very different. And it's good to be aware where your listener is coming from. If you're pitching to a Korean investor, it's one story. If you're pitching to someone from the German-speaking world, it's another story. If you're pitching to an English person, another story. If you're pitching to someone from the United States, it's a different story. My first language is Russian. And if you pitch to Russians, it's a separate story. It's very different from anything else. But you need to be aware of how to chunk your speech to make sure it's easy for the person to follow you and to listen to you. Number five is make it simple. This is a favorite story of all the blockchain startups because every pitch I hear is full of confusing, sophisticated, long, technical words that do not help me understand the value of the project for the investor. If I'm the investor, I care about the access strategy, I care about the potential of the business, I care about the business model, and I care about your growth strategy. And you're telling me too many details way too often in the language I don't really understand. When we do certain things every day, and when we communicate with our colleagues every day, We often forget that people from the outside world, people who do not work with us every day, people who do not speak to our colleagues every day, use a different language. 
and they also have a different standard of the norm. I remember once having a coffee with a client of mine from Lenovo, and I simply this was the first meeting, I believe. Yes, this was our first meeting, and I asked her, "So, what do you do in this company?" And she started giving me a long speech about logistics and complicated business development projects and problems with the customs and long reports. And it was, I think, a three-minute speech. And when she finished, I was like, "Okay, thank you, I got it." But but what exactly do you do in the company? What exactly is is your job about? I still couldn't get it. And. I saw that she was struggling with that, and I said, "Okay, just give me more information. Just keep talking about what you do at work." Another three minutes passed, and then I asked her, "So, you're responsible for shipping Lenovo computers from China to eleven countries?" And she said, "Yes, yes, that's what I do." How did you put it in one sentence? So this is the trick. I guess my brain simply works like that. I distill a lot of information down to very Simple phrases because I like relating to people, and I like giving people something they can relate to. I have a lot of examples like this when people give me a lot of confused, long monologues about what they do, and I think they don't do it on purpose. They just do it because as they speak, they're trying to figure out the best way to position themselves. They're trying to figure out the best way to. Tell another person what they actually do, just because they're unprepared, just because they haven't really done this before, or because no one has given them high-quality feedback about how it really sounds. So respect your listener, and always give them something simple, something they can relate to, something they can imagine, and something they can easily understand. Another thing you want to consider is that when people listen to you, ninety percent of the times they'll be thinking about something else. What they're gonna have for dinner? Who's gonna call them? What the next meeting is gonna be about? Believe me, they do. They will look at you and smile, but they will be thinking about something else. And again, it's your job to establish this kind of connection where they want to listen to you and they want to actively participate in the conversation with you. Because if the only thing you're giving to them is that monologue, it's very hard for them not to think about something else. If this is your first meeting, consider this. They are thinking about something else because they don't know you well, and they're not interested in this conversation. And again, it's your job to make them interested. Number six is watch your body language, and what I mean by that is not that you have to control your body language and try to move as a robot and try to position your legs and hands and your your head in the right position. There is no right or correct position. What I'm just what I'm trying to say is that we communicate a lot with non-verbal signs, and what you say behind the words very often is louder than your words. Actually, this is why small talk is also so important. People are afraid of small talk, especially non-native speakers. Just do not understand the value of small talk. If you ever try to make a small talk with a Russian, they'll simply laugh at you because they do not see the value. However. Um, in most of the cultures today, English is the business language, and we have to learn to do that. And I should say, it's a fantastic tool to learn more about the person. Small talk is not designed to fill the space with some irrelevant words. It's not 
talking about the weather. It's not talking about football or giving fake compliments. It's all about being genuine and trying to connect with a person on a human level. So at, at least for me, small talk is an opportunity to connect before I talk about business and actually to see if I want to do business with this person. If you find it difficult to do small talk, chances are high your conversation and your presentation are going to be pretty tense. We should be moving to number seven. So number seven is talking about the things the investor wants to hear. Many startups, when they have one-on-one meetings with investors, forget to talk about the most interesting things for investors. They forget to talk about the exit, about the revenue strategies. They are not prepared and they're not ready with their numbers. I saw this so many times and this is such a sad scene to see. When investor asks questions about the financial model, about the ROI, about the numbers, and the founders say something like, well, about 40%, almost two, I think around 25%, that just shows you're not ready. If you're asking people to invest money in your project, you should be ready with numbers. And you should avoid the language that shows you're not really sure what's going on in your business. (laughs) Number eight is asking the right questions. Asking questions is good and it's the essential part of having a great conversation. However, what I see a lot is that, especially when you meet with clients, people interrogate people instead of asking questions. This is not the interrogation. And it's not an interview. This is a human interaction, a human conversation where people ask the questions and other people answer those questions. So if this is your first meeting with a client and you're here to sell your service, you do not start the conversation with asking a client a number of questions such as, Did you use the services before? Are you satisfied with your current situation? How much money do you normally spend a month on this kind of services? What is your biggest pain? The the client didn't even show you that they want to answer those questions and you didn't communicate in other way that it's going to be an interrogation. We thought it's a meeting. And believe me, there is a better way to find out what the client wants. Everybody feels uncomfortable when you start shooting questions without letting them know you're going to do that and without getting their consent and without making sure a person is comfortable asking those questions. Another thing I disagree with when it comes to sales is that everybody wants to discover the biggest pain the client has and then they sell the remedy for this pain. In my experience, what really works is when you focus not on the people's pain, but when you focus on the value that you can give to people. You don't want to be their doctor and press on the places that hurt anyway. You want to give them something they want. You want to show that you care about them and that your product and your service and your business has tremendous value for them. When we talk about something that's hurting, everybody will naturally feel very uncomfortable. 
I understand that this may work for <clears throat> certain industries, let's say a pharmaceutical industry, if you sell medicine, but when it comes to investments, when it comes to selling the idea of a potential partnership, I honestly believe that people who are focusing on the pain points are pushing the wrong buttons. And here we go to number nine. So number nine is that many startups offer their investors what they have, not what they need. Think about this phrase one more time. You're offering them what you have, not what they need. This is why, again, it's so important to build a conversation, to build a relationship with this person instead of throwing a monologue at them that you have prepared at home. And this is why many startups feel insecure when they have to stop and they don't stop. They don't know when to shut up. They, know, they don't know when to pause. They don't know when to ask for feedback. They just feel they want to go on and on and on because if they stop, someone might point at the fact that maybe they're saying something irrelevant, that maybe people are not interested and maybe... People have doubts and they're not ready to continue listening to them. Because if you stop, maybe you'll have nothing else to say. Because the only thing you have is the monologue you have prepared. And it only shows fear of a real conversation. And honestly, this is what I would like you to take home with you after you listen to this podcast. If your business is at the fundraising stage right now, and you're having a lot of meetings with investors and potential partners. Think about having a conversation with people. Think about connecting to them on a personal level. Don't think about selling everything you have on the first meeting. Because it can happen. They don't need what you have to sell. And that's okay. You will find someone who does. People always remember interesting conversations. They remember meaningful connections. And having a great relationship with a person, even if you didn't sell anything, even if you didn't buy anything, just because they don't need it, just because what you have doesn't really, doesn't really answer their needs, is always better than never speaking to the person after a very unproductive and disappointing meeting. I wish you lots of productive dialogues, lots of productive meetings, and good luck with fundraising. And remember that no matter how technological, how sophisticated and technical your business is, business is always run by people. And these people need to communicate. If all these people communicate in different languages, you need to pay even closer attention to your communication strategies, to your techniques and your methods. And you need to be even more delicate and sensitive to people's concerns. I don't believe we will ever be able to automate human communication. And even though the world is moving fast towards automation, and we're going to lose a lot of jobs to robots, AI and smart IoT devices, I am confident that human communication is something we will never be able to replace. As Anthony Hopkins said in one of my favorite shows, The West World, human brain is the only analog device 
in today's digital world. And who can figure out a human brain? Only another human brain. So learn to communicate and good luck. You can always find me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'm going to post links to my social network accounts in the description to this podcast. Feel free to reach out and I'll see you in another podcast.